Hey, what's up, guys? Less than two weeks to opening day. It's coming up quick. If you got any last-minute things to do, you better get them now because I know a lot of industries having a hard time to supply everybody this fall. So if you got to order anything, you better order it quick right now because everything's going quick and out of stock. But if you guys are still need to tune in your bow, this is a great episode. Um, we have a, a guy on, Jason Birchmeyer, outstanding archer in the Michigan area. He had a hell of a season. He kind of breaks it down how it went and how he achieved all his titles he won this year. Um, he breaks down some really good tips. I mean, Matt's doing them right now. Um, you got to stick around and listen to it. But if you're new here, uh, all I can ask is to support the podcast is either leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. That helps us grow tremendously in the analytics. So I know the numbers are good and killing it lately. Uh, not a lot of new people. and Welcome. If you have any th- suggestions or people you want on, I can try to have it on <laughs> in reason. There's, I don't know a lot of people. If you're, I, I can't get Jim Shockey on here next weekend if, you, if that's been a request, but I can't do that. But if you want anybody or if you want to learn about something, hit me up and let me, we'll try to get it for you. I mean, we'll go on anything. We'll go groundhog hunting if you really want to hear that. So just, uh, PM me on Instagram or Facebook, or you can PM Matt and just ask him, and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. But thank you for listening. Hope you enjoy the episode. This is the Generations to Hunt podcast, where the goal is to learn together and further the culture of hunting. Welcome back to the Generations to Hunt podcast. Today, Joe and I have a special guest, uh, Jason Birchmeyer. Um, he's Michigan's ASA and IAA Shooter of the Year. Did I get it right? Yep. See, we talked about it beforehand. I was all nervous. I was going to mess it up, but <laughs> we crushed it. So, Jason, introduce yourself. Say hi to everyone. Oh, hello. I'm Jason Birchmeyer. Then shooting archery for uh, a little over 30 years now um pretty active in it uh I, i'll do a lot with uh flint bowman and um on the board there so i uh, run the target coordinator position over there on uh flint's board and do a lot with the club and help with the kids and youth league and that stuff so yeah so i'm gonna ask maybe a dumb question but what exactly is flint bowman uh, it's an archery uh, archery only club. It's the actually the oldest club in the state of Michigan, and I think uh, we're like eight seventy five or eighty years old. I don't quote me on that. I can't remember exactly what year uh, the club was founded, but it's the oldest one in the state. Um, I think the only one close closest to that is Detroit Archers, and I think we have them by like four or five years. So, so do you guys just put on like shoot? Like, I guess I'm gonna ask a bunch of random questions on that but so is it like a indoor outdoor range and you guys just hold like 3d shoots and competitions and stuff like that yep so uh 
indoor archery leagues um, from spots to um, they have a 3D league. Uh, and then we have outdoor bow hunter, you know, bow hunter leagues. Uh, I think there's still even a broadhead league. Um, then we host um, the IAA and ASA. Um, I think this is our second year for the ASA. And I don't, for as long as the IAA has been going around, we've been pretty active in it. So, um, but yeah, there's a little bit of something for everybody. I mean, we, a lot of family events, uh, do a lot of benefits for families within our club, you know, um, especially active members, you know, try and help, help out with lost loved ones or what have you. So there's a lot of stuff that's always going on at the club. Yeah. I, I, I love that in the community. A lot of people band together because there was another guy that had a house fire and, yeah. I think that was up at uh, Tescola. Tescola. Yeah, yep. they, they band together and they had a big old benefit. And they, you know, I love it that archers yeah. are so strong in it's, the community. It seems to be even the IAACR's done a lot with that, with families that have had losses or, you know, um, brain tumors or what have you. I know a few people that have been involved in that stuff. And we've had a couple a couple at our club that have been pretty near and dear to me, just, just friends of mine that were. Uh, um, lost loved ones or what have you and and it it um the club did a really good job and donated a, a ton of money to the family so um yeah flip bowman's been really good i was a member at saginaw field and stream a long time ago uh was kind of wasn't as active there um more i did stuff with the svaa um which is an indoor uh tournament that we do through the winter so each there's a bunch of clubs that are belong to the svaa and like Flint and Tuscola and, uh, and a bunch of uh, um, clubs within the area um, have a, it's kind of like a traveling um, indoor spot, spot round. So kind of see where you stack up with everybody. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think the, like, like these bowmen's are so beneficial to people, even the, the novice hunter, just to, to just get out there. Yep. And they go on well before opening day and all that. I think that's a great way to dust your bow off and all that. And they actually put you in some, you know, I mean, tack is a nice place, but they don't put you in realistic, you know, right. positions. And if you, that's all you want to go there and just shoot, you know, don't worry about a score. It definitely helps you improve. But then I, I think a lot of people that do that just fall in love with that. And then the competitive nature right. of that. I think that's, I mean, that's a lot of what happens. I think when, you know, the, the SVA or, or like some of the SmackDown rounds that we, we host in Michigan, um, it seems to really bring out that competitive edge and the guys that are like, I can't do that. I can't do that. And next thing you know, you bring them along and they're at all of them right. because they just like, Oh, I went to one and I had so much fun doing it. The next thing you know, they're at, all of them trying to get a little bit better and they're seeing who, who that guy, the best guys in the state are and, and trying to up their, up their game. And, uh, it's really brought out a lot of people. I mean, most of our, our SmackDowns, I know the one that I run at Flint and, uh, Jamie Juilliard runs down at, uh, Adams archery and, uh, Rob even runs one there uh, at Oakland. They're full. Like you're, you're, I have typically have a wait list of four or five guys that are trying to get in Friday night. They're calling me going, Hey man, can I get in on Saturday so we can shoot these? Cause they're, you know, they're wanting, they're wanting that competitive nature and, right. and, and to see who's the best of the best out there. So, 
So I'm going to ask a dumb question again. Uh, what is a smackdown? So basically what we do is a qualifier round. Um, we shoot a Vegas 300 round um, to kind of just rank you. And, and then we'll pay out, like, high score for the night. So is this a 3D course? or nope, it's an indoor. indoor. Or that's the spot, yep. so the, like, yellow target? Yep, oh. indoor feet of face, three spot, what they you'd see in uh, Vegas. Um, 20 yards uh, or 18 meters, however they, they set it up. Um, typically, most of them are 20 yards unless you're shooting, um, uh, you know, some of them shoot 18 meters, but it just depends on where you're at. But... Uh, and then, so basically how we work format it is I do, we do a high score, pay out like a high score and it's like a 20 or $25 entry fee, depending on where you go. And we, um, and then basically after the high score, your scores don't matter no more. And what we do is head to head matches and we take and we drop the five lowest scores of that round. So you shoot three arrows and say you shoot a 25. Well, if the four scores are 24, and I have three guys that are tied for 25 at 25. What you would do is those three guys would shoot off and the winner of that round would move on. So, and then we keep doing that until we get down to the top five guys. And then I drop or we'll drop one at a time until we have a winner. So it's like kind of like they do in Lancaster. After you get to the top five, it's like five versus four versus three, two versus, and, and it, it keeps dropping. So, you know, I've had ends where I've had five guys stand up there for five to six, seven ends, and they don't <laughs> miss an X. So it's a lot of fun, and it's super. It's it's cool because there's so much pressure that goes into it. Because one, you don't want to lose. Two, you definitely don't want to lose to your buddy. You know, and we're all super competitive. And I've had and I laugh because it's not always the same guys and the guys that sometimes you think wouldn't be um, there especially like some of the bow hunters that really some of these bow hunter guys like well the bow hunter rig can throw down and they they compete and they should compete in the open class but they can really throw down with the open uh, open shooters with pins so <clears throat> but yeah that's typically how we run our uh run our money shoots and it's kind of a smackdown it's good pressure um different format and it, it always has we always have a good turnout so yeah i'm new to the archery world when it comes to like competition shoots obviously i've bow hunted for a long time but it's a lot different <clears throat> um what i mean i'd gone to some 3d tournaments or shoots before but not in a competitive way it was just like a couple buddies you know like uh, thorny acres things like that where you just go out there on a saturday pay 15 bucks and you just go throw you know um so i think the first one i did where it was like a score was tech um, I don't even think we really kept score on that. Yeah, we were we just didn't know. we were just playing best best arrow wins. I was goal. just hoping that I hit the target. Yeah, because Joe, yeah, I showed up with my hunting rig that had a fixed pin, and my <laughs> farthest shot was fifty yards. <laughs> and he's the first target we pull up to is eighty four yards across water. Awesome. So yeah. it went well on, on a crocodile. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. But then a little while later, though, I went to uh, I don't know what was but where they actually did keep score and um i don't know it was a 3d tournament because travis won travis always wins yeah travis won. <laughs> travis wins a lot <laughs> so but it's it's interesting i really enjoy it i don't know why i don't have i ever make time in the summer to do it but i just don't know a lot about it so i'll probably ask you a lot of yeah. 
what you guys are think uh, might be some silly questions, but it's, yeah, it's and I don't, I, I'm not in that involved into it, and it gets really confused. It's super intimidating too on some of the stuff, but some of it can be. I know the field archer stuff, the field archery side of things are a little more intimidating to me, even to me, and I've been shooting for a very long time. Um, I don't even some of the field rounds. I don't like uh, uh, field hunter. I've shot it before, but to remember all the rules that go along with it are, are they can be confusing. Because if you don't shoot like the fans or the um, some of the short walkups, if you don't shoot them in the right order, you take zeros on a shot that's only eight yards, and you're like, "What did I just do?" No. <laughs> you know? you're like, "Yeah, I got a I got a ten, and it's like, "No, you got a zero, dude," because you didn't shoot it in the right right format or you didn't circle cycles through with the the right guy so you don't shoot it from right to left or and you don't always start in the same station when you shoot field archery so that i don't even know all of them yeah. so i kind of stick with field or uh, excuse me uh indoors and indoor uh, spots and and then the 3d side of things so what's your favorite um typically 3d because that's where i that was my wheelhouse as i was growing up um so i started shooting when I was seven, um, and that's where I kind of got going. So my dad, dad started shooting 3D because he had some friends of his from work that you know, kind of the same with a lot of people that I know. Uh, dad started shooting when he was they were super young, and and um, so they just kind of got into it that way. Well, and then as things progressed, about when I was about 12, we started going traveling to the IBOs and then shooting lo local ASAs. And then, um, when the ASA really came on, um, started going to a few of them. So, I mean, that was pretty much my summers as a kid, you know, from the time I was 12 till I was driving a car pretty much, you know, I was, we were, that, that's what we did. We bought a camper and we went to, um, Bedford and Nelsonville and, and all these, uh, IBO and worlds. I mean, we went to them every year for probably, six or seven years kind of got out of archery for a little while when i was in my 20s got into dirt bikes that was a dumb idea <laughs> was it cheaper uh, no <laughs> no no not at all and then i i laughed because the one summer i had this realization I, I hit a tree ride my bike and i'm like dude i ain't gonna be able to hunt this fall i'm like this is dumb so i bought a crotch rocket that was even dumber don't do that uh and, and then I, I got back into archery real heavy after that, after actually about the time I had my son, um, uh, and really got going into archery real heavy. And I got, uh, kind of hooked, reunited with some friends that were, um, big name pros in, in the state of Michigan. And, uh, he really pushed me to, uh, to get back into it and really pursue, pursue this. So it's been, uh quite the journey <laughs> so what is the difference between asa ibo and iaa i know joe's told me before but so the iaa um is known i mean pretty much for from my aspect of things it's a known known class um shoot center 11s like they do in the ibo but the ibo does not have a known a known class, so you're judging everything. No. So you don't get to you don't get to range it. No, no range. So nope. I'm out of that. Yeah, that's kind of where yeah. I'm at too now. I'm, I'm, now that I have a uh, basketball team uh, for kids at home, I don't yeah. have time to uh, practice judging yards like I used to. Not that I miss it some days, but then I shoot some of these courses and I walk up and I'm going. And it looks like 48. Nope, I was way off <laughs> when I clicked the button. So 
Yeah. Um, that's a whole nother aspect because it's not just uh, being good a good archer. It's also there's another aspect of yeah. judging yards too. Because I've seen some really good archers not be the best 3D shooters because they just don't judge yardage very well. And, and a couple yards is a big deal huge. in that because, I mean, so if you've never gone to a 3D archery tournament, you have circles that um, might not necessarily be uh, what the vitals are on an animal. So at least not where you might center punch an animal. Right. So um, the largest circle is eight, right? Well, you out, anything outside of that's what five. Yeah, yeah. And body then, hit is eight, a and five. And then you'll have the basically the vitals. The yeah. vitals is the eight, and then you'll have a smaller circle, that's a ten, and then in the very center, which it sometimes is not much bigger than a pop bottle cap. Yeah, I think like on a turkey, you're talking maybe the size of a dime. Yeah. You get into a full size deer, you're probably fifty cent piece, maybe yeah. smaller than that. And Elk is at least like a yeah. He's a yeah. baseball or softball. The moose, yeah. the yeah. moose got a big one in there. We're, so we're trying to find a all moose tournament, just thirty <laughs> targets of moose. So if you guys know one, uh, let me know. So <laughs> if you don't know and you're trying to guess, you know, two yards could be the oh, difference of what, a twelve and a, a ten. Absolutely. And I when, mean, even in the ASA game. So the ASA has both. They have a known class and an unknown class. And when you shoot a lower 12, because they don't put the 12 in the middle of the, it's either towards the backside of the target or the upper, they have an upper 12. And so how I base that on is, it, I guess it'd be all depending on how I was judging that day. If I was going to shoot unknown yardage, it'd be, okay, well, if I'm shooting everything a little couple yards cold all day, I, I would try and shoot lower 12. So if I was judging everything a little, little, um, little warm i would try and aim or shoot towards the upper 12 or judge that so i'm i'm shooting and hit trying to hit the calling the upper 12 to try and hit it i don't play that game anymore just because i just don't have the time um and i i spend a lot of time working on setup just because known yardage it's all about knowing the animal real well and having a super super sight, uh, good sight tape i mean i spend more time in my yard dialing my sight tape and then i do Besides tuning side of things, I spend a lot of time on my sight tape, making sure all the way, cause all the way out to 50. I mean, give or take 50 yards. I mean, sometimes we're shooting just a touch over, so spend a lot of time with that sight tape, and making sure it's dialed all the way through. So, and that's a big thing with known yardage. So, if you don't have to dive super deep into it, but what's the best way for you that you found out to get a good sight tape? I mean, do you do the you know, find your 20, find your 30, find your 50, or are you? So, well, for me, I mean, it, it I guess I, it's kind of goes back into some of the tuning. I spend a lot of time tuning the bow at 50 yards, sometimes even at 60. And then with my sight tape, I typically do like a 20 and a 50, um, and playing with the range finder to make my sight tape match my range finder, ideally. And that's, uh, with some of the new range finders out there makes it a lot better than it had been in the past so um and that's typically is 20 and 50 and then i and then i go through and i go through and do a, like a walk up i'll start at like 55 yards and i'll walk up for, like and try and hit some weird numbers like 50 and a half and 50.2 just those real increment you know real tight numbers just to see where i'm at with my sight tape because i mean there's a lot of the lot that can go into a 50 to 51 well 
I know that sounds silly, but when you're trying to aim at a, a size of a dime at 40 yards, you know, 40.2 yards makes a huge difference than 40 or 41. And to confirm, let's just say you're trying to find your 50. How are you confirming that the arrow's on or you didn't make like a good shot? I mean, are you taking like a group of like three or? I typically four or five arrows, you know, or I have multiple dots down there about the size of say the 11 ring or what have you, whatever we're shooting at. Um, A lot of them, I don't know if you guys haven't heard of Bass and Bucks. I I use those dots to practice on a lot this year because I actually went to that tournament and it's a lot like uh, Redding. Where right. They have the big orange dots on yep, the right. Um, so they, ha- I had the, I used some of the smaller dots to practice on for 3D, um, and uh, I actually ordered like a whole big pile of, them. and I never even used them all, but um, and shot at those just to dial in, or I'll take a Vegas face, and typically if I can stick three arrows in that 10 ring at at 50 yards, I'm I'm feeling pretty pretty confident on uh, my setup and sight, so. So what are you doing to tune your bow out to 50 yards? Like, what? I mean, are you... He probably doesn't have enough time to tell you. Uh, uh, <laughs> just the, like... Actually, no, my my tuning setup is pretty... I'm, I've been doing it long enough now that I, I it's pretty, pretty simple. Um, typically, I start... I kind of... So I have a lot of arrows set up already and kind of know the bows well enough now because I, I got a, pretty much a full shop in my basement that I can work on bows and build strings and I, I mean I go through and tune everything and so typically my my it's a quick run it through paper make sure it's not doing anything real weird I mean I, if I get close to a bullet hole I'm I'm cool with that with with veins or no with veins I don't so do any bear shaft you don't do no bear shaft nope. when do you ever shoot arrows without veins on them hey man I know that's going to open like a whole big bag of haters because some guys are like you got a bear shaft i'm not a bear shaft guy i'm not saying it's wrong i'm not saying it's right everybody has different strokes or different folks uh, exactly so i'm not gonna down a guy into but god's you are honest, shooter of the year so I, I, I'm gonna listen. God, god's honest truth to tell you if i knew how to bear, do a bear shaft tune couldn't even tell you the beginnings and how to try and do it yeah um because i just i don't i shoot everything with a vein i set up an arrow i mean Typically, everything that I shoot, because I shoot uh, for gold tip, and I, everything is super, super stiff. So spine isn't never an issue really for me, um, because the arrows are always on the stiffer side of the charts. So um, my mainly, I run it through paper tuner, making sure it's it's uh, close to a hole. I, I it, for me for being a right-hander, I don't as long as I don't get a right tear or a low uh, tear through the paper then I'm cool with that if it's if it's level or left I'm uh, as long as it's not extreme you know I'm not shooting some two inch tear through the paper I'm cool with that and then basically I start doing what they say a walk back tune so my walk back tune starts at five yards I shoot arrows and I sight my bow in at five yards I don't move my sight after that and I walk exactly back to about 55 yards and I have a line drawn on my bale and I aim at that line and I want to see if I'm getting arrows to group left or right of that line. And then I start tweaking my rest to bring those so that the arrows come right or left uh, to the center of that line. So if my arrows are grouping to the right, I'll move my rest to the left to push that arrow over. Um, And then I keep doing that and I'll probably do that. I'll probably spend a good night or two of doing that, depending, especially where I'm at. It's always windy. So I have to, 
Yeah. You know, so you don't on. move the site, you move the rest. Correct. And the reason I do that is because you don't you're trying to take away the air factor in the site. So say say if you don't have your site rail leveled on a target site, I don't want the air to be in the site bar itself. I want it to be in the rest. I want to know if that arrow shifts left or right. And typically if you sight in it and and I can show you how this works because if you shoot it say 5 yards and if you put that in a archer's advantage program and you bring that chart up after you build your sight tape and you say, okay, well, at five yards, I need to set my sight at, say, 58 or 62 yards to make that. I know it sounds weird because your sight's actually lower than a five-yard target. Right. But the arrow doesn't have time to come up into that position. So if you sight your bow in at five yards and I walk immediately back to 50 yards, your arrow drop's really not that big. Um, and all I've, I'm looking for is that left or right. And then after that, after I get that line tune where I'm getting the majority of the arrows to hit the line or really close to, so I'm not two inches left or two inches right. And in all that's doing is tuning the bow to me. I couldn't do that for you or anybody else. I have to do that because you induce torque in your, in your riser or uh, in your hand or release or you do it and you're trying to do it consistently. So if I don't do it because I made a really good shot through my paper tuner and I shot a bullet hole out of them every time, it's not going to be the same as when I walk out into the field because let's face it, we're not perfect. Even any of the best archers in the world, they don't make perfect shots every time. But they, what they do do is they spend a bunch of time trying to make the bow as forgiving as possible to themselves whether it be bar set up or what have you. But that I that's how I kind of I do my walk back tune. And then I spend a bunch of time group shooting at longer distance, 50, 60 yards. Um, if I'm setting up something and I'm going to shoot at 100 yards, I'll spend a ton of time at 100 yards. And when we shot Bass and Bucks, we shot at targets at 101. So that's kind of how Do you do the same thing with your hunting setup? Typically, or? yes. Yeah. Even with the broadhead. I don't, I don't do any – I don't even care if – if I um, do it with field points at all, I'll, I'll just put my broadheads on. Like I'll get a really close bullet hole through the paper, and then I do the exact same with thing. the broadhead on. Yeah, I'll do it both ways. I'll do that with the field point to just kind of start, and then I'll throw a broadhead on. Especially if I have something, whether it be a fixed blade or a mechanical that I can lock down, or that has some type of uh, practice blades of some sort. I, oh. I try and do the same. It's pretty much the same program. Um, so you don't. I mean, I guess you're not ever really moving your sight left and right, just your rest. For wind, I, these winded. are tiny. That, that's called I, winded. Yeah, I don't do the windage change on the on the sight. I do it at close range. I don't do it at farther ranges unless after I've, after I've gotten everything tuned, then I need to tweak it just a little bit here or there. But typically, I don't have to move it too much. So, do so you, windage is only on... What we'll call good sights, because growing up, I never had it. In fact, the bow I just got is the first sight I have that has windage on it. Yeah. Where you just loosen the thing and then hit a turn a button, yep. like Micro my yeah basically. my trophy ridge react. It was a pretty decent sight. It didn't have windage, so I was. I've always sighted a bow, and in fact, I never even thought to move my rest to bring my left or right. So here's a good example of why I do this. And I don't know if you've ever seen this, but if you sight it, go, you walk out and you shoot at 20 yards. And then you sight a, a, a pin at 30 yards. 
and then you walk back to 40 yards. And as you walk those yardages back and you see, and you typically, and almost every person I know that does this, their pin or their sight will need to be moved one direction the further they walk back. And by the time you get to 50 or 60 yards, you've needed to move your sight eight, 10 clicks to the left because at, at um, say 50 or 60 yards, your group isn't the same as it was at 20. It's outside of that. It's left or to the right, depending on what you're doing. And that's because you're doing something to the riser that's causing that. So when I do my walk back tune, uh, and I don't even want to call it a walk back tune because I go straight back to 50 yards or 60 yards and do this, I'm taking that error that you guys see or people see as they walk back the yardage and they don't know understand why it does that so what they typically do is they just move their sight at 50 yards and then when they walk back up to 20 while well, I'm shooting to the right again and they don't understand why it does that um in in like I said it's, it's just tweaking the bow to you and that's basically what I'm trying to do is tune that bow to myself and it takes that um error factor out I, I'm not saying if you did something really goofy and you punch a trigger or whatever it wouldn't cause... You'll have some anomalies there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can tell you right now, I would. I will guarantee the next time I take my bow out, I'm going to do this. Because well, well, before you do that, so if you're shooting left, do you move the rest left? Is no. It's opposite. opposite of your sight. Okay, see? That's what I'm going to make sure, like he a gun sight. Told, he already told us that. <laughs> he already told us. Yeah, you don't want to move. You don't, you don't chase... Chaser. And these are tiny adjustments. Like you're yes. not moving. I'm talking. Sometimes it's it's like barely a sixteenth of yeah. an inch on the rest. Um, and in if you want a really good explanation, Paige Pierce just did a. Uh, uh, she had a couple videos, or I don't know if they were on Instagram, but she talks about this and how she moves her rest up and down and left and right. And to do, there's a lot that goes into her. And, she is the way she is, and then look at what she wins. Yeah, that's... so the woman's phenomenal shooter. So, but she talks about how to do some of this in that, and she talks about uh, moving the rest up and down too. And I haven't played with this too much yet to see if it changes um, my groupings. But typically, she's setting stuff up for uh, longer distances. Right. You know, I know her reading setup, for instance. I mean, I typically don't shoot at 100 yards. I did this year when we went to Bass and Bucks. And that's an absolute riot, by the way. I want to go to Reading so bad after that tournament now. Um, but for setting those setting those bows up, she does that in there. And it talks about how and why, because it'll tighten your groups up. And it makes you even more consistent because you've made the bow more forgiving for you. I mean, I think it's like sacrilegious sometimes. I think in my way, sometimes like once that that rest is set, you're like, I'm never touching I've that again. I've never adjusted my rest. Yeah, so. Never even thought of so it. I've always moved my sight. People are scared to touch the rest. Oh, yeah. They're scared they're going to screw it up. Everything on, I don't care what it is, It's you can fix it. You may get it so out of whack that you don't know how to fix it, but there's somebody out there that can help you fix it. And I, and I feel like cool thing is is i've called guys and i'm like dude i'm stuck what the heck do i do to try and get my bow back to where it needs to be and um they're like hey do this and okay and, and you put it and you're like oh you know like you forgot what you were doing well like even so the rest i have on my bow is a little bit different than i've had in the past because it actually has like a little dial that would allow me to easily move it those small distances yes. where i could see where i was younger even the uh 
Oh gosh, what was the drop away? It was red. I forget what it's called, but um was it drop away rest? No, it wasn't drop away. I forget what it was, but um it was my first, you know, fall away rest, you know, cuz I had a whisker biscuit and then uh before that and I would have never even attempted to move that. Um but then I got my fall away and I never thought to move. I've always just moved the site, even with a new ball. Like, because now I have windage, and I do the air quotes because for me it's a new thing, so I don't really understand <laughs> it. Um, uh, well, now you got you're just sounding super smart when you go on your next uh, 3D shoot. Be like, I'm gonna just click this windage a couple of times. I mean, no, I'm not. I'm literally going to guarantee I go with you, and it's gonna be Travis and Kobe, and they're gonna be like, oh, okay, well. Let's see if he still sucks. Yeah. Or, which way? <laughs> hey, which way do I move this? Yeah. yeah. So, so let me ask you this: Are you? Is there certain days you get to the course and you're hitting right? Are you actually going to move your windage? Oh no! I, so I will move my sight. I will not. After I get my bow tuned, right. I don't change that. That okay. stays the same. Yes, I will. Days there's, in. If you shoot quote unquote back tension, some days you're going to pull harder on a bow than others whether you're stronger or you're didn't sleep good whatever there's so much that goes into that and back tension is one of them rabbit holes that you can go down because i don't some guys say yeah you don't pull on a bow or you, you don't do this or that with back tension i with if you do it the same every time it's gonna it shows results and so that one's a hard you know, but yes, I will move my sight left or right depending on. Typically, my problem with it is though is I will start the day and I will start, and this is typical of myself. I will push on the riser my bow so hard I will shoot left, and the worst part about it for me is by the time I get to target four, after I've clicked my sight six eight clicks, I'm typically putting it all back, putting it back to the right to try and bring that left back out because now I'm like. Okay, it's tournament time. I'm my mindset's different than when I was out there warming up. Muscles are a little more relaxed and and I'm getting a little more aggressive into the bow. So I know, hey, now I'm I, I typically start shooting left and then I take all the left back out of it because I'm just start left. right back where it's you like can. I should have just left it alone <laughs> to begin with. That's normally me. Um but there has been days you just you're not pulling on the bow the same or you're not pushing on the bow the same way um, every time. So, yeah. Yeah, it, there's days. I, I'll move it if need be. Uh, what kind of drop away? Oh, are you using a blade or? So, for tournaments, I shoot a blade. For for hunting, I use a fall away. And I've played with both. Um, if you tune the bow well with a blade, I have not found one that's any better than the other. Um, I, I can't say you know that this fall away is going to be better than shooting a blade maybe for somebody um for me personally i haven't noticed any difference um and i've set it up on my on my tar indoor targeted bows i've set it up on my um outdoor 3d bows with a fall away and i didn't it didn't gain or lose me any points um you know i'm pretty simplistic when it comes to a blade just because it's i've been setting it up for so long i don't it's pretty easy i mean and don't have to worry about the fall away cord moving or or getting stretching or whatever so i typically tend to lean on a blade a little more um honestly if it wasn't so cumbersome to deal with in the woods i'd shoot a blade for 3d or for hunting um i know i was just listening to a podcast with jesse broadwater hunts with a 
with a, a blade rest. How does he do that? Like, I have no idea. Is it like that synthetic blade? Because it I don't can't think be metal. So. It's got. He said it was a metal, like a just a regular America's Best launcher. How loud it, is that pulling? It, back? It's, it, it's on a carbon shaft. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty noisy. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's yeah. It's literally a metal tongue. Yeah, we it's call like a lizard a, tongue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And then you're basically. Scraping that right. I mean, I don't know about that. I think I'll stick with my drop away the felt on it. I'm yeah, I'm same way. I, yeah. I <laughs> you know, I shot. I mean, you know, I can remember as a kid, a kid growing up, and the TM Hunter rest was the thing, you know, and that, and they were metal prongs. Well, we like shrink wrap, and then they come out with uh, Teflon ends for them, and yeah. so it was kind of funny, you know. Now everybody's like, oh, you got to be super quiet. And yeah. I remember when I first got a whisker biscuit, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Like you could, your your bow would never <laughs> drop your arrow. Like yeah, I thought it was so cool. And then uh, as I got older, I was like. Man, this thing not only this thing just destroys my fletchings. Like it's it's all over the place. If and you I were to, if, if the funny thing about it, I, I'm not a whisker biscuit guy. I won't. I never even set my kids up with one. And I have five kids, so and they've all tried archery except for the little one. I would never put one on because I think it induces such terrible archery. It's unbelievable. I'm not saying it's not. It's not. There's guys out there that love that thing. But yeah, there are people that swear by it. I, I would never, and I don't know a ton about archery now, but I would never put one on my bow again. Like, it is cool because my arrow never falls out, but at the same time, like, my, my 3D or my fall away is, it might break down because of just use, but you put a couple hundred shots to a whisker biscuit and it, it shows. Like, well, it shows quick. The and, other problem with it is, is I feel like if, if you induce torque in the bow or you make a bad shot the whole arrow rides on that rest the entire time and if you know what the point of a fall away is is to get the arrow off the rest as fast as possible if you tune a blade rest it works the same way to get that arrow up and off the rest as clean and as fast as possible so you can't cause any issues to the arrow and in, at 20 yards a whisker biscuit's going to work primo because how much torque can you induce at 20 yards and still you should still be able to kill an animal yeah. as far as i'm concerned now when it's going to really show its head is at 50 well the other thing that whisker biscuit does is it will torch some fletching <laughs> like it <Yeah>. will <laughs> when it's frozen to the most contact <laughs> right 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 yeah. exactly so no i will i'll never put a whisker biscuit on my bow again i i watched meg i started megan she never shot a bow and I put well. I I got a bow and I had one on there. I'm gonna have it. So I put like, got these Fletcher's arrows up there and put the like six shots later. These Fletchings are already blowing up. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, get this thing out of here. Right, exactly. So yeah. on a drop away rest, what do you prefer? Do you prefer limb driven or string driven? So typically, I I'm I'm a, a limb driven. Um, I have shot trophy takers in the in years past, and it, I feel it's a super good rest. I don't feel like Anyone's in better than the other. The only downside to say a, a cable driven rest is on low poundage boats. Like for instance, my son's. I mean, he's only shooting like 35 pounds, and sometimes it messes with the cam timing. So times you got a hard, harder time t tuning the rest and the bow all at the same time because you're. It may induce enough cable pull on a, a low poundage bow that it would cause problems. But 
Um, <laughs> I'm seeing some. Uh, it's because I have a string driven or string driven fall away. He has a limb driven, and I've never seen it. So when I bought my bow, they gave me the option: get limb driven or string driven. Well, because I've never even seen limb driven, I went with string, and he was like, "Oh no." You're an idiot. <laughs> I mean, I've done, I've set up a lot of them on a 60, you know, 60, 70 pound bow. I've never seen it cause a major issue. What are you at? Like 40? 65. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he actually has a huge draw length, dude. Like, yeah. for such a small guy, he has monkey arms. It was really? 20, 29. 29. 29. Longer than me, and I'm tall. Wait, I, I know that. I, he said. He said he got a 29-inch draw length. I was like, dude, they fucked you. They fucked you. <laughs> I was like, I don't know who took your measurement, but they did not do that right. It's funny because I'm like, so my dad's only a couple inches taller than me. I'm six foot, and he's six foot two, and he's like 30 and a half inches. And everybody's like, what are you, 29, 30 inches? I'm like, 28 and a half. <laughs> yeah, I'm 28. Yeah. I mean, I always struggle because when I shot unknown yardage, I, that was a big thing, like trying to get a bow at 300 foot a second. It was like damn near impossible and now now i mean you can get that really realistically yeah. Yeah. i can dang near get that on a on a 40 inch axle axle target bow so yeah. <clears throat> so yeah i i shoot a, i shoot a hamski for almost all my my in i'm not sponsored by them or anything i just think it's a really good rest yeah that's what i shoot and i i love them they are the the adjustment on them are so nice then you can come with multi tongues like yeah the launcher blades yep the launcher blades yep. yeah. yeah they got don't you know they got like hard teflon or something yep. or something like that and then they got all the other yeah the ones. big whale tail and and the other thing too is if you tried to use your bow for the same setup you could take the fall away part of it off and shoot it as a and put a, a lizard blade on there or a uh, a blade style and you make it a blade rest as well so um it's a pretty versatile setup and it works good i i've I've shot them both ways. I my son's both of his bows have those those rests on it, and it seems like it works really well. I watched a lot of videos on how to tune it and set it up. Um, there's a few really really good ones out there. Even I just watched uh, uh, Michael Braden did did a, a kind of a he talks about it in one of the podcasts I listened to, and then I watched his tuning video that he he put out. That is like more information than I even knew. Um, and I thought I knew a lot about archery, yeah. so. Yeah. Well, I mean, that I think that's a good segue for right now. I mean, uh, to talk about a little bit how you got your one son in and, and how he did this year. I mean, so what was, I mean, was there, like, did he show a little bit of interest, or did you, I mean, how did you, the steps on that? Uh, he has always shown a little interest in archery, um, and he frustrates me some days because he doesn't, practice but he just goes and shoots and shoots really well i mean he for the amount of time and effort i think he could be a lot better if he would put some force for more effort into it i think he just enjoys it just because he gets to go and hang out with dad and um so he was also shooter the year right in the iaa yeah Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) he's pretty good yeah so he shot real well uh he i'm actually gonna try and force him up a class because he's uh, 12, and I think the IAA goes to 14 before they bump him to the next class. And I want him to shoot some more, uh, only just to the simple fact is just to shoot some more yardage. Because when he competes in the ASA, I think he has a 40-yard max in the ASA for his age bracket. And I want him to have that in um, 
so we because i i'm gonna try and push him to shoot some national asas this year um if he if he sticks with it let's hope um but uh so i'm gonna try and get him to to move up and and so he gets some more yardage under his belt just to practice at the longer distances and um he's pretty i don't think he really cares he just goes and shoots and if shoot good great if half the time he don't even ask for me for results i'm like hey dude you won and i'm like running downstairs and i'm like check this out and he's like oh cool (laughs) <laughs> like zero facial expressions nothing yeah. he's like cool i won and then and then he goes back to playing video games or whatever whatever he's doing but he's just a pretty chill kid he's a good kid good student that's good uh so yeah so how do you win shooter of the year so it's it's point based so the so there was a couple things so in the iaa um there was two there was two parts to it. There was ASA shooter, I'm sorry, IAA shooter of the year, and there was also the um, Super Slam. Yeah. So there's five, the five events. I actually won both of those. The only ter- part of the tournament for the IAA that I didn't win was the uh, state championship, which they held at uh, Bay City. That's the champion of champions, right? Uh, no. Oh, that, that was the state champ. So I didn't actually end up shooting the champion of champions. Okay. Um, I had something going on that weekend, but uh, the 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 state championship was the um, shoot that they had at Bay City Bowman this year, okay. and uh, actually I had thought I might have won that one as well. And then come to find out, Tim Chekroski ended up winning it, beat me by two points. <laughs> so, which I mean, cool. I mean, he's a great shooter. And got nothing against the guy. He's uh, was a little frustrated I didn't win, but hey, you know that's just that's just archery. So, um, but uh, yeah, so I ended up winning the the um, the slams part of the uh, shoot and the um, shooter of the year the shooter of the year uh the best i can explain that one is it's point based in it and i don't it's, it, it, there's a cr has a, a point system that he works out and it come down to um it was a really close race there was like three or four of us that were in it uh rocky cummins and jason street were really close tight race all year this year very tough competitors really good friends of mine and um I edge the I just happened to edge them out for the G five or excuse me I don't even know if it's a G five slam anymore I don't know I don't, how they, I don't know if it is it. I think it's just called the super slam I, it's changed names a few times over the years yeah, so uh, the sl- the slam portion of it um, actually it come down to Jason Street and I and we were actually tied it went down to uh, number of elevens that were shot for the year um, Jason Street had actually beat me a few times this year just based on 14s and normally i'm not a 14 shooter um even if they're painted and i know the yardage i have typically most of the wins that i had had this year were just based on 11 count um and i was 20 up at most of them just on based on 11s um as a stout stout store 20 up is a good day. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you say that. And there well, was a few, I mean, there yeah. was a few 26 up shot this year, too. So, and I laugh because when the IA first started, I mean, 10, 15 up was like some phenomenal score. Now, all of a sudden, it's like if you're not in that 18 to 20 or 24 up, you're not even in fifth. Yeah. <laughs> so, the score, the scores of just, I mean, the archers have, I think they've just gotten so much, they're so competitive that we just keep pushing and pushing and, 
in. Well, I think it's gotten more popular too. Yeah. Um, um, I'd like to see the MEK class or the K50. I'd like to see some more shooters in it. It seems like they, they've kind of, I don't know if they've dwindled off or they're going to do other formats or what's going on. Um, because it seems like the same six or seven guys that are always in it. And I don't know if maybe the scores have scared them off a little bit. Um, cause I've had a few guys come up to me and they're like, well, I'd shoot that class, but I can't, I, I can't, I can't compete. And I'm, you can, you have to do exactly what I've done and Rocky's done. And these guys that are shooting 20 up, 20 plus yeah. up, you have to put the hours in. Yeah, for and sure. It, and it boils down to that. You have to shoot. I mean, I spend, I, you know, I run with the kids all, all week and I'm still, I spend and go down in the basement. My wife my, looks at me and she's like, are you going to come to bed? Cause it's 11, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And I'm down there still shooting arrows in the basement, trying to, Trying to one up the next guy, so you missed in the basement, not yet, not yet, <laughs> not yet. I've come close. Yeah, uh, no, I have not missed in my basement yet. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to say I've done that, but like I moved a little bit. Like I shot a Vance Hunter and Brent Woodworth beat my butt all season long. It did push me a lot and all that. But the class was so small, that's why I moved out of there too. But it wasn't a, I can tell you it wasn't a good feeling to get your butt kicked all But you have to do that because that was my driving factor. I was like, man, I'm going to beat him. I'm going to get him this time. But it never happened. I do not. I'm super competitive, and I've always been pretty work-driven. I, I, you know, if I want something bad enough, I'm going to push myself and figure it out. I mean, I went through some bouts with target panic over the years, and – didn't have anybody to say hey this is what you're doing wrong and then you know i got some buddies of mine that can say hey well you're doing this and they can tell you how to fix it and and then i you know and they're like well you're still doing it wrong it's like i know i'm still working through it you know and it takes a lot of hard work i mean archery is it it's not an easy sport it's not i spend many hours behind a string and and then i feel like this year i didn't practice as much as I typically do. Just had a really good season, really good setup that worked out that, that worked out for me. So um seems like sports got in LA a lot with baseball and running for kids and what have you. And the wife having a, her own business too. So that makes uh makes it challenging at times. But Well there's a huge difference too in between how good you need to be to kill a deer and to be competitive in, in archery, right? Like you can be off by an inch or two on a deer and still double lung it and it's right. going to down. If you're off an inch or two on a target, that's a difference between a 10 and an 8. Absolutely. Um, an 11 and a, a 10. You know, it's there's a huge, there's a lot more practice that needs to go into somebody that's competing at your level than, say, myself, who my biggest thing with archery I care about is putting a big buck on the wall. Right. So, yeah, I don't, uh, it takes a lot more practice, I think, in my, in my opinion, it yeah. I mean, I still want to put big bucks in the wall too, you know. Yeah. But I also, when I, when they're out there, I want to, you know, I, I'm hey, there's an eleven ring there at fifty yards, and I'm gonna hit this thing. I mean, I feel like the same thing when I go into hunting as I do in into any format of archery. I don't, I don't apply my hunting setup any different than I do my target setup. I, I, I do similar things to it to make it so when I transition from one bow to the next, that everything feels exactly the same um setup wise and 
my logical thinking, I guess I, I, you know, I do the same things. So, um, when it, Hey, I, it's 50 yards. I, I put the pin exactly where I want to shoot it. And that's, and if I don't hit that, I'm, I'm not happy. Um, there's times I've walked off a 3d range and been super discouraged. And I went home and worked even that much harder to try and figure out why, why I'm making those minute misses and, and, and our game, especially to, to win what we're and do what we're doing. You, there isn't much margin of error. Um, so and sometimes it's like uh, Rob was talking. You know, you, he had he shot that that score and all that, and then he gets bumped out from just bonus rings. Like yeah. you got literally tied score, and yeah. then you don't because yep. something just you're out by that having the exact same score as somebody else, but you just didn't hit this bonus ring. That's that's you that you laugh. That's how I won the shooter of the year for the ASA and the uh, slam was by bonus rings. Yeah. I actually beat Rocky Cummins in the in the ASA by bonus rings. Him and I tied for score. And it, it the ASA has a, a point system, so you have X amount of points for showing up, X amount of points for um, however many people you beat in your class. And then there's, there's another, I can't remember, there's another one that gives you X amount of points for, I think, bonus rings or something to that nature. I don't know how that works, but I know him and I tied for score and then i i got him by two twelves this year literally two pop size can <laughs> yeah it was probably the tightest and him and i have the last two or three years in the iaa we've um went back and forth like we're racing you one area. shooter on the year by an inch i mean if you're thinking about it like it, like that's the difference that's what i mean was for hunting setup i don't have to be that precise to be shooter of the year like you have to be that precise. Yeah. Your your combined of those two arrows was guaranteed probably less than an inch, uh, as far as the difference between you and second place. Yeah, realistically, and I had both state the both state shoots that I shot one for the ASA and one for the IA was boiled down to that as well. I I I took second place at both events because of something similar to that. I mean, the one was I I uh, the IAA I missed. Uh, I shot an eight on target 29 <laughs> and it cost me, it cost me the win. Cause I would have, if I wouldn't have shot that eight, we'd have tied in or we'd have tied score, but I'd have won in bonus rings. Damn. So it's, it's pretty incredible. The caliber of archers and even in the state of Michigan, if you look nationally, look at the, look at some of the, uh, uh ASA, um, shoots this year, look at the number of Michigan, shooters we have i mean uh you even go to uh adams on a saturday night or a friday night when he has his smackdowns and pretty much the best guys in michigan are standing down there and, and it's pretty incredible yeah i mean we have some very calibered shooters out there uh in our state so it's a lot of uh there's a lot of knowledge and the cool thing i like about it i guess the cool thing for me is we're all pretty close and friends and if one of us is struggling hey man you know, and you can make a phone call and they'll give you pointers and I try and help you out. You know, they're not, uh, we're not, I mean, we're competitive, but we all want each other to win. So it's not, you know, everybody's congratulating everybody after a win or, you know, I've gotten a few phone calls. Uh, I went to Lancaster and, and made the cut finally <laughs> and, and went to that tournament this year, made the first round of the cuts. And I got a handful of phone calls the first day when I got, before I even got back to the hotel room. So, 
um, it's kind of cool to to have that. Yeah, my experience when I've done 3D, uh, I mean, just with Travis and Kobe, they didn't have any idea who I was, and they were just like, yeah, like, come on out, and, you know, and they, yeah. would, they would give me pointers on trying not to suck. And, <laughs> uh, you know, they even when I missed a target, like, they weren't, they weren't, like, rude or anything. I think the rudest thing I got was about my bow at Tech, and that wasn't even com- competitive, but the bow bros. The oh. Poboros. Yeah, they're we're all Matthews guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we we get some static sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so but I mean, so so now you achieve that. I mean, what's your goals for next year? What it what uh, you... I'd like to I'd like to try and do it nationally. I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna try, depending on work schedule and what have you, try and shoot some of these national events and see if I can bring a national title home in the K-50 class is kind of my, my goal. Um, <clears throat> kind of focused on indoors for the last uh, handful of years, so I want to get back to shooting 3D. I mean, I really enjoyed it, and, and I, not that I don't, I dislike indoors, I just want to try a different, different avenue again um, and see if uh, see if it works out. If not, I mean, cool. I'm cool either way. I just like shooting my bow. I mean, I just want to shoot. Right. So, I mean, that's kind of my plan. I mean, I got a few indoor events that I plan on going to. I feel like the indoor really brings on my 3D game um, just because it's so mentally focused and, and you have to make 30 perfect shots or 60 perfect shots. There is no room for error. I mean, 3D, you can, I feel like sometimes you can, there is a little margin of error there. Um, you could shoot an eight and and come back because in ASA you got twelves to to play with, a little slower than uh or the IA or uh, IBO. Um, but it's been so many years since I've judged yardage. Yeah. I don't know if I'll go back down to that road yet. And I personally think IBO is dying. I I feel the same way, and I, I don't re- want it. But it just it's just like the unknown. I I think they should probably adapt to an unknown class just to people to get to the events. Agreed. But I also, in, in that same aspect, it, there's a lot of people that are going to, that'll say that the known, the known thing is going to take over everything and you're not going to have an unknown um, side of ASA. I, I've heard that side of it too. Not saying that, you know, that's right or wrong or, I mean, I guess archery to me is archery. I don't care what format you do it in. It, it's it's just cool. Get out there and shoot your bow and 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 have fun with it. You know, um, I mean, the reason most of us do it is because we're a bunch of friends all getting together. And I mean, there's four or five guys that I travel with all the time, and um, and and you know, we got group texts that we shit talk each other. Yeah. Though, you know, like you know, it, so it's a lot of fun. And and that's that's I don't like I said I, I really do the IBO. I feel like it's gonna die eventually. Um, sad to say, cause that's where I started. I mean, we went to the, all the national IBOs when I was a kid and, and, uh, you know, cause that's, that's what there was, right. you know? So yeah, I hate to see it go away. So IBO doesn't have a known class. Correct. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm out there. Yeah. I gotta, I, yeah. I mean, I would take me some, I'll, I, I would probably have to put a couple seasons of practice back into it before I attempted that because I'm not one to want to lose. So, and I also don't want to embarrass yeah, myself. <laughs> right. And it's like one of the, it's like that judging, like if you, it's not saying that you can just do it and you know it. And it's one of them things you got, you constantly got to do yeah. it. 
Absolutely. Like, you can't. And then it's so much difference between the just the difference between if the target's in light and you're in dark or the vice versa, you're in dark. And, and well, that or the target's up on a hill or it's down low. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's a lot that goes since uh, Yeah, I'll be honest. So now that once I got a rangefinder, I would... I would never even attempt to but, do unknown. And ASA, that's where the money. I mean, if you're chasing money, you know some people love it for the sport. But if let's just say you're chasing the dollar signs, the unknowns, that's where the big purses are yeah. and all that. Yeah. And you know it's funny. I, so uh, being I've been around this a long time, ASA had some huge pots when I was younger. I mean, they fifty grand. Jeez. I mean, it was huge. But there was a lot that went into it. They had some big name sponsors. Um, the Pennzoil, uh, there was a lot that went into it. Um, Wayne Pearson had his hunting show that, like, I can remember. I, I know everybody wanted to see archery on TV. Well, when I was a kid, it was. It was on, uh, don't quote me, I don't remember what channel, but you could literally turn your TV on on a Sunday and watch it. <laughs> so, you know, now that Cam Media and all them are coming around and we're watching it on TV again, I got to see that as a kid, and I thought that was the coolest thing. I'm like, I'm going to be that guy. And I can remember watching Jeff Hopkins when he was in his prime, and this dude was just tearing it up, you know. And uh, I wanted – that was like – I didn't play sports when I was in school. That's all I did. So that was like my Michael Jordan of its time. You know, I wanted to be those guys. And I never made it there, and I wish I kind of would have pursued it a little harder. Um, but – you know, I still do it, and I enjoy it, and um, so, yeah. I thought, you know, you remember when Mountain Dew was going to be into it? I don't know if they still are into it I anymore. Don't... I think they – because I remember, like, Pigman and all of them were like – Yeah, yeah. Not, but I think <laughs> – <laughs> Come on! <laughs> yeah, I, just, I, I haven't heard that. I, I thought, it, yeah. I thought uh, that's like, a different dude there. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a good old boy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Mountain Dew, when I heard Mountain Dew was like get a, start picking up, I was like, man, this might be the change for archery. Right. Like, like the good old. Pen, I mean, I wasn't around for the Pennzoil days and all that, but I mean, that could have been like the the bringing it to because that's all you have to do is you have to bring it to like the like joe rogan does it so good for like hunting aspect like right. he'd bring it to regular people and just showing i thought mountain dew could do that for archery and all that but that's what i want to see i, I don't want to see it be mainstream but in a sense i do you know i do I mean? too but my wife so here's a prime example she's like didn't know anything i think about archery when i met her um She's like, yeah, I know hunting. I'm like, no, there's other things besides that. And and she's like, we go to an indoor event, and she's watching it, and she's like, this is more painful than watching golf, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so to watch target archery is not fun. No. I mean, it's really unless you're into it and know what's going on, it's boring, yeah. you know. So to watch it on TV, I mean, I get into it because I'm like, that's what I do. That's my hobby, you know. But uh, for the average guy, I mean, yeah. I don't think it'll ever. 3D, maybe. I don't. Yeah, I would say, yeah. I think it would just be the shoot-off. That's it. Yeah, I mean, because there can be such point swings. I mean, you look at what's happened, you know, in, in the last few shoots. I mean, look what Levi's done. Come from a deficit and come in and, 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 and uh, put himself in, in contention uh, by going just being super aggressive and going in for 14s. I mean, the guy's phenomenal. You know, so it's uh, – 
there's, you know, that side of side of it's like super exciting for me to watch. Maybe not everybody, yeah, right. but then again, I think watching golf, I would rather watch the grass grow. Yeah, golf is the same thing. I'd rather play it than watch it. Um, yeah. And I don't know about 3D archery. I guess I never sat there and watched it. But, yeah, it seems like it's going to be something I'd rather go out and enjoy doing rather than sit down I, and I watch I think you it. have to watch a shoot-off because, like, watching a shoot-off is, like, totally different, man. Even, it, even watching Vegas, uh, like the Vegas shoot-off, even if you're not a big archery guy, you're like – Dude, there's 20 dudes standing up there, and they just shot 900s, and now they're going to stand in front of a bunch of people and do this again, and not not miss. So yeah, I think the only time I've ever seen archery on TV is during the Olympics. And that's like, that's the boring guy. Got to get this guy out there. I know. <laughs> that's like USA World or US. And, and I've watched that format too, because when you go to Vegas, you can actually watch part of the USA archery events uh that happen as part of the vegas shoot um it's kind of a separate entity um uh, and so you can watch that foot shoot off as well and then you can watch the vegas shoot so there's a lot of archery going on in vegas when you go yeah so it's kind of cool i mean like i said it's not for everybody but the, the even the vegas shoot is you know, they're shooting for a lot of money i mean and that's you know it, it is it's cool i mean it's really cool to watch i mean watch what's happened to Sergio this year yeah. and seeing like the dude was killing it and, and a release malfunction caused him to, to lose it all. So well, then two, literally two 14 year olds won it. Yeah. Right. One, one Brody Tor Turner. And then I can't remember the girls. One uh, Vegas. Yeah. Yes. Lico Ariola was like yeah. against girl. grown girls. beat yes. like Levi Morgan, Jesse Broadwater, <laughs> yep. all these big name guys. They, Beat them. These. So Lico, Lico has won it two years in a row. Yeah. Uh, she's beat the females with 900. She shot 900s both years in a row. And in the women's class, that was not a thing that always happened. Yeah. I mean, 899s, 898s were pretty common to be in the top to top of the women's class. And she's done two 900s back to back. Um, but. She lives in Hawaii, correct? Yes. So there's probably not much to do in there. But <laughs> what are I you know, talking about? Hawaii is a tourist destination. I'm just, well, well you live there. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know where she trains or yeah. I know her dad's got her on pretty, from what I've heard, she's on a pretty tight training regiment. Yeah. Um, she can shoot. Yeah. Oh, Bodie's the same way. I mean, he's uh, he's killing it, man. And and he shot well. I know he won, he has another title this year as well. Uh you win field the field nationals I think he won this year. Yep. Um so the kid the kid can pound. I mean, yeah. you know, and I don't I don't know how he does it because I sure as hell wasn't doing that at fourteen. No. It um, does help that his dad's Joel Turner. Yeah, yeah. You ever heard you know Joel, Joel Turner? He's like he's a really good teacher. He's um, real he can like he helps people break the 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 mental aspect. I've I've him. listened to some of his some of his uh stuff when they not I haven't went through his program to try that yet um incorporated some of the things i've learned and heard um in the way he teaches people to put things out of their mind and what you should be focusing on and it i think it's helped um i've done a lot of uh listening i've listened to a few like mental management podcasts this year just to try and okay what do i need to be thinking about while i'm shooting my bow and i it's it's really helped what i focus on and it, it lets me or helps me um know when and uh to be aggressive and not aggressive as far as like especially in 3d um 
because in indoors you pretty much have to be aggressive right out of the gate there is no because you can't miss i mean i mean I, that's i hate saying that because but when you're seeing scores that are shot and you know 28x 300 rounds and 29x and consistently and not just like hey i did that in practice you're going to vegas or or uh some of these you know the hoosier 690 and you're seeing these scores that are turned in and you're going holy cow you know so you don't you don't get oh well i missed the first target and i, I shot a i shot a, an eight there is no coming back from a nine or an eight or a nine on a that on a, would blow go all the way to vegas and shoot a fucking eight it's happened i know I, i've i've literally watched so i have a good friend of mine uh that lives on the west side was shot the first two days clean and at, uh, was clean at the first half <laughs> and shot the wrong target. He put two center punched X's in the target uh, at halftime in the wrong target. Oh. We, were, we switched from top to bottom because you, right. you shoot 15 arrows and then switch. You switch. If you're on top, you shoot the bottom at half and shot, shot oh. two zeros. I would cry. It, yeah. So he's like, yeah, well, you know, any, and, if you knew the guy, you'd go, I'd have been, like, devastated. But the dude was just like, eh, it happens. Yeah. You know, he was no. pissed. But, don't, you know, don't get me wrong. I would have been done. I just quit shooting. I'll he, be honest. I'd have I thrown found a, a kid. Here, yeah. you want a bow? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's – and I've seen it happen. Guys, oh, you know, it, that they're like, yeah, I'm done. I'm not I'm not doing this ever again. You know, but – I mean, I might pick it up again, but I'd be done for that day. I'd uh, that fucking much. He, I would not nah, be doing uh, that the rest of the he, day. He, he finished out his round, and I've watched some of the best archers, uh, you know. I've watched Gillingham do it. I've seen I've seen those guys do it. And, you know, if you've watched archery enough and been around it enough, it happens. Oh, yeah. Um, some people forget to put their arrows in their bow sometimes. Oh, I feel like that one's... Uh, Aimed, aimed to. <laughs> that was directed at someone. <laughs> the, the difference is, this is uh, I wasn't shooting in front of a bunch of people with uh, money on the line. <laughs> yeah, that makes I'm it just, way yeah. more stressful. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's. I mean, I had a lot less on the line. I, I just had to tell my friends what an idiot I was. All right? If you watched Landcasters a few years ago, Chance had the same thing. He he missed. Chance had, I don't know if he had a release mails function or a misfire. That's what I would tell people. And he shot over top of the bale. I mean, he took a zero. And the dude stood there and he's like, he's standing on the podium. So when you shoot in Lancaster, when you're doing your head-to-heads, they stand. You're like you and your opponent are next to each other, and everybody's watching you on TV. Dude took it like a champ. Like it wasn't mad. He just like. Eh, well, I screwed up. You know what do you do? I mean, you can't be pissed off about it. You just keep trucking yeah. and and figure it out next time. So, so we'll go. And I don't know some people are probably not on the archery side. We'll go a little bit into the the hunting side on you. I mean, what, you got any plans this year? I know. Um, actually, going to Ohio here in a few weeks to go uh, hunting with a few buddies. Uh, I got uh, mainly hunt my dad's farm, uh, flushing area. So. You don't got to blow up your spot. Sorry. Oh, no, no, it's all good. It's, uh, it, I go, I'm going to the hood to go hunt and. <laughs> yeah. Urban deer. See, yeah. yeah. Seek uh, one style. Yeah, I like right? it. Right. Yeah. My dad bought a farm over that way and, and, uh, it's been pretty, I've seen some good deer over there. So it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm itching to go do some hunting and in between my Saturdays full of football and volleyball for the kids. But yeah, I'm, I'm planning on getting out there. So, but, uh, yeah. 
It's, uh, I still need to shoot my bow more, mainly for the reason we just talked about. But we can. Uh, I got. I, we can shoot out to almost 100 yards. Hey, 100 yards at my house. So come on over. Yes. I don't live far away. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that until today. But I'm yeah. 20 minutes from you. Yeah, you live out near Lothrop. Yeah, I'm literally two miles from my last name. Also, the dead giveaway there. So yeah, it's yeah. uh yeah, I got a full-on rain or shop in my basement and tune you up. I think what I just need to really do is move out of the city, move out of town, move to Iowa. That's what I. I dude. <laughs> Let me tell you, was, Lindsay ever says, "Let's go." It's I was in down. Illinois a couple weeks ago for uh, the Deers and Beer show or whatever. Down oh, there. you went to that? Yeah. So I, um, I'm real good friends with Rob Comethy, and he's the uh, PSE rep for Michigan. Yep. And uh, he asked me to come down and help out down there. And, uh, dude, the bucks that were on oh, the yeah. wall were ridiculous. One of the – I mean, there was deer on the wall that some of them were found dead, and they were – Two sixties. Yeah. Was I think the huff buck was there? Did you see the yeah. huff buck? It, my, oh my! Oh my. God. There's horns. <laughs> it's like everywhere. It's like where do you start, dude? Uh, yeah. The it biggest was, buck I've seen in person, and it was a like live, not a replica. Like you get at Cabela's, is like two o four, and it was from Ohio. I've dude. never seen it, dude. I mean, I could. I mean, the biggest deer I've ever killed was a one thirty, a thirty eight, and that was a couple years ago with my and. I hunted this deer so hard all, like, sending my wife's text, buddy's text. I'm like, dude, I can see him. He's 150 yards away. Yeah. In the middle of the bean field. He'd literally come out of the, in the middle of the bean field, wander around, and go right back in, wherever he was bedding. And I couldn't hunt over there because if I'd have hunted that side, the wind was always wrong for that position. And there was no trees to get into. So I'm like, either I'm going to have to, like, sneak attack this deer. So the, the funny story, I hunted this deer all all of bow season I was getting ready to go to my father-in-law's up in Atlanta. I'm like, he come out. I missed him at 52 yards, like at last light may have been, I don't know if it was at shooting time, but it was really close, you know, and I shot underneath him. Um, I'm like, yep, he's, I'm never going to see him again. Opening a gun. He's going to, somebody's going to kill him. Uh, went up North for like six or seven days, come back home, woke up late. I'm like, I'm going to go run over there. My wife's like, you should go. I'm like, no, I'm not even going to go. So I got over there. It's like daylight already. Like I'm, And it was super cold that morning, super crunchy. And I'm like crashing through the – get into my spot. Forgot half my stuff because it was in the basement all late around because I was, just got home. And uh, I ended up killing this deer at 32 yards with my – gun i was not happy oh my <laughs> god so this deer never presented a shot during all of archery season except for that 50 yarder that i missed like at last like you know <laughs> and then i'm like this sucks i mean i was super stoked yeah I killed him but i really wanted to bow kill this deer that would have been the biggest deer i ever killed a bow and i mean i've shot two two and a half year old bucks i've never killed nothing super big i mean I don't think the first deer I well, I was pretty fortunate the first deer I ever killed was a hundred and ten inch deer. For my the, first, with a first bow kill at yeah. sixteen and I haven't killed yeah. a buck anywhere close to that size yeah. since then. The biggest deer I've seen alive on the hoof was about uh, one fifty. And I've seen probably two. I've seen one in Michigan and then I've seen one in Kansas. Um other than that, I mean I could probably count on my hand how many hundred and thirty inch deer I've seen yeah. on the hoof. Like I've seen 
you know, buddies of mine have shot some decent bucks. And when I went down to Ohio, the guy that had invited me down, he shot back-to-back years 140-inch bucks. But on the hoof, while actually hunting, standing in front of me, you know, a couple. And I've the only one I've gotten in range in Michigan, I completely shot right over top of him. You I, know. I had one buck over 150 inches in front of me. So he came in, like, I, you know, he came in a drainage. But this was, like, last light. You couldn't even barely see it. And I was waiting for it to get dark, dark. So, like, shooting light, shooting light's basically gone. But this deer came up probably, like, 16 yards from me. Came up on the backside of the tree. So, I have, like, I'm facing around. I'm watching this deer. I'm like, holy fuck. He has, like, 19-inch main beams. But, like, with a maybe a 20-inch spread on him, dude. Fucking monster. And I was like, dude, I was contemplating about pulling my boat having the tree in between my arms and pulling the bow back to shoot this fucking deer. <laughs> so I was like, holy shit. And this was before I killed, it was like three years. This was the first year on my lease. And I was like, that's a whole different animal, dude. I was shaking for probably 45 minutes. The first, so I remember the first buck I ever had walk in front of me that I believe to be 130, 140 inches. I could hear him all morning. I heard him all morning. As a matter of fact, I texted the people I was hunting with, and I was like, man, are you grunting over there? Because it sounded like it was right next to him. And they were like, no. And then I was like, is anyone seeing deer? Nope, nope, nope. And I, it was all morning. And then sure enough, right from where I heard it, which was in between me and this guy, he popped out into the cornfield. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And he come walking right to me. So I hurry up, and I range where I think I can shoot, you know, and I'm losing it at this point. And then I finally calm down, and he comes down right 30 yards, dead exactly where I just ranged. I'm like, oh, I'm going to smoke this deer. I pull <laughs> back, and then he won't stop. And so now he's getting to the point where, like, he's still 30 yards away, but, like, if he keeps walking, I'm not going to get a shot. So I stop him, which up until this point, I'd never really experienced this. And I was like, oh, he's done. I let that arrow go, and that deer... I mean, my arrow went exactly where it should have, and he fucking dropped yeah. and turned, and it, the arrow went about an inch over his back, nice. and I went, what? And, uh, yeah, that's a lesson learned, uh, you know. If you're going to stop a deer and put him on alert, you might want to aim low. Yeah, right. Because you know? yeah, <laughs> sure. I'll be honest, if I put my 20-yard pin on him, I'd have dusted him. Yeah. But at the time, you know, I was still pretty young, you know, and so, yeah, lesson learned. Hey, but. man, I'd probably do it now. I mean, you get such a con- – cocktail of misinformation sometimes and you kind of don't get me wrong i mean when you get in that buck fever mode and all that man i'm thinking i'm like what did i do in third grade on a tuesday on september you know i'm, I'm thinking about stupid stupid yeah, stuff it's, it's easier for me now because i've dealt with it so now if i have a deer in front of me and if it's at 20 yards i don't compensate my my arrow will get there fast enough that deer is not going to duck my arrow 20 yards but if it's farther than that you know if the deer's not on alert, I'll put, you know, the 30 to 40-yard pin on there because he's not going to react the same as if I alert him. But if I have to alert a deer or, like, my Kansas buck, like, my Kansas buck was 50 yards away, but I put my 40-yard pin on it. The problem was is what I didn't account for is him walking straight forward. No, I'm used to him falling straight down. No. And, 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 and what happened was is his back end did come down, but he went forward, and which obviously made my arrow – if he does what I expected him to, I, I dust that deer. But I mean, it's just, yeah, I uh, that was a lesson learned, and since then I haven't, uh, 
I've pretty much blown every opportunity at anything over 130 <laughs> inches with uh, with my compound. So. Well, they usually don't get that big for being dumb. Right, so. exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> you say that last year, my son and I, October 2nd, we went out, didn't have anything set up. I, let's grab pop-up line, just go sit out and see what we see. I'm like, cool. Just, and I on the same farm that I killed this uh, one buck on, we seen a buck that was... I would happen to venture to guess he had to have been 150. And, and I don't, I'm pretty conservative with numbers. So I'm like, he's a, and even my son's like, dad, the thing's huge, you know? And he was all pumped up in the, in the, in the pop-up line. I'd never seen him again. Oh, oh that's have, a I'd never seen him on camera. I don't know if he moved on or somebody killed him. Yeah. I've seen a sign year. of deer over there. All I mean, I've seen bucks all the whole time, but never seen that deer. So I don't know. And I know there's some other guys know that I'm hunting over there now because we've had some trespassers and uh, some my tree stands come up missing. And, oh, my God. Yeah, it, which is pretty disappointing to me because typically when I'm going, because I, I, I normally have my son every weekend, and uh, we I take him over there and my two upstand is gone, you know? So I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to sit you over here and I'm going to go sit on the ground and maybe try and get something to come in for you. So he, cause I'm trying to get him his first bow kill. He's killed a couple of the, uh, uh, rifles so far. And, but, um, missed one, missed a doe last year. And, and I, and I laughed, you, you, you were talking about buck fever. Oh my God. That was the funniest thing last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I forgot like what that is because yeah. I've, been shooting tournaments for so long so kind of don't i don't get that way until after the fact yeah anymore. that's where i'm at yeah um and he got it <laughs> on a little four point and oh my goodness i i never laughed so hard in my life to watching him and the tree stands shaking and he's like dad dad there's something wrong with my legs and i'm like yeah i yeah. know what that is and <laughs> yeah. this is cool yeah <laughs> yeah two years ago i took a kid out on the youth hunt well i took him out two years in a row but the first year we took him out a uh, little, I don't know, three or four point came out. And man, like, I because I was standing behind him trying to, like, help get him set up. And he's just, like, shaking and, you know, and we're trying to calm him down. And there's not really much you're going to say to him. So we were literally just trying to get him to the point where he would just stop shaking long enough to, to pull the trigger. And it took, like, ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. It took forever for, it's, for uh, him to calm down. It's cool. I So last year I got to go on an elk hunt. And I had a, um, I could have killed a couple cows through the hunt, but I, I was like, nope, I got five days to do this. I'm going to kill something with horns. And I actually had a six by six in front of me. And like, I had this like out of body experience. Like my heart was like going a hundred mile an hour, but I was like, it was kind of cool because I've shot enough tournaments now and know how to kind of deal with that pressure a little bit. I'm not saying I'm, I'm not definitely not the top pro out there by any means and I but it was kind of different to be able to, you know, hook my release and, and watch my hands. And I'm looking down and I actually told myself, I'm like, wow, your hands are kind of calm right now. He never presented a shot, but it was kind of cool watching this thing come out of the, come out of the timber. And I'm like, and then he's, he's bugling at you, which is mm -hmm. one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I didn't even get to kill him. And it was probably one of the most badass experiences I've ever had hunting ever. Yeah. So, but yeah, it was, uh, it was something for sure. Matt, you still have no interest to go out west and hunt elk? It's not that I don't have an interest. Like, I think of, uh, sitting in front of a yeah. bugling elk would be cool. But just for me, like, 
I love whitetail hunting. I, I spend, so as much as you guys spend time in archery and stuff like that, I spend it learning about deer, how deer move, how deer act, Man, spending time in the woods. Um, you got to go once. I guarantee you'll change your I mind. I told you. I said the same I'm thing. I'm not saying you guys are wrong. Like, I will, it, I will do it. I think I'm he's just, scared because it's another addiction. It's, it's, I'm, tell, let's put it this way. So, I didn't kill an elk. I could have last year. Um, and I, we're, I'm going again next year. I, if I could, if financially, if I could afford it, I'd do it every year. I'm no, like, I, I would give up whitetail hunting. And he has a whole basketball team to finance. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> I am. So I'll tell you right now, I, I can guarantee awesome. you, I wouldn't give up whitetail hunting for. I am. I don't believe that by whitetail hunting. Uh, and don't get me wrong, I've watched a lot of elk videos, and I think I'll tell you right now, a six by six bull is bugling at 50 yards, like. I'm going to struggle to keep it together. I think it would be a badass experience, but I there's something about white. I mean, there's a reason. Like, I've traveled to Kansas. I've traveled to Ohio. I'm going to Missouri. <laughs> I've traveled all over Michigan yeah. to, to hunt whitetail. And, like, one day, yeah, like, I'm going to go on an elk hunt, and it, it's going to be awesome. But I'm I'm still obsessed with whitetails. Like, it, for me, like, the coolest part about Kansas was how different it was from Michigan. So I got to go out to a whole nother state and have to learn how to find a mature whitetail in a different state on public land. You know, same thing when I went to Ohio. Like, for me, I just am obsessed with whitetail hunting. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. Like, I know some people are archery only and things like that. I'm, I'm a big – I would prefer to archery hunt. But for me – you kill a four and a half, five and a half year old deer with a gun or bow. It's 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 a feat. You yeah, know, it's yeah. it's it's yeah, imp- sure. an impressive thing. So I agree. I'm more of a. I mean, I have my fair share of guns and 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 I I enjoy gun hunting, but my archery is my thing. And in but I'm telling you, dude, you gotta go when it, you go. You're gonna be like, I, well, I guarantee the when you go, we'll revisit this. Yeah, and you're gonna be like. <laughs> Well, I can tell you I've already got – so the guy I went to Kansas with, he's trying to get me to go on a moose hunt, a bear hunt, and an elk hunt. So, and Africa. Oh, yeah. Now him – We're trying to make him go to Africa. Me to go to Africa. So they That's apparently – I mean, dude, it, it, think it's my more finances of a cult. are a little bit different. It's more for the culture. <laughs> Africa just – I think it's just way more culture. It's so much more experience. But I would put other things in front of Africa, to be honest. But yeah, I mean, I would do it. I'm just – I don't know. Right now, I so I'm going to Missouri this year. I'm going back to Kansas next year. The year after that, I'm going back to Iowa and back to public land. You've hunted in Iowa before? Well, no, I'm going. I mean, I'm going. What I meant to say is, I'm going to Iowa and I'm, I'm going back to yeah. back <laughs> to public making... land because uh, Kansas and Missouri this year are going to be with an outfitter. Well, that's why elk hunting's in September. Yeah, it's so the issue is more yeah trying to convince my wife to let me take. Start donating five days, blood. Five days <laughs> off. Plasma. They paid Pla- for that. Yeah, yeah. plasma. Yeah, there you go. That Don't once I passed out, so I won't be doing that again. <laughs> uh, it's all worth it, though. So, <laughs> so here's what here's what you need to do, and this is what my wife told me. If you take her to Colorado to see the mountains, because she wants to see the mountains, you can go hunt, and she can go tour the mountains. Yeah. yeah. You make it a deal. I mean, This possibly, is how I get away with shooting I'll be, tournaments. Like, so the thing is, is I'll have to take... So like when the week the year I go to Iowa, I'm taking all of ten days to go to Iowa. So say, well, hypothetically next year. So I spend five days in Kansas and then I'm gonna have to if I go a public land route, it's gonna like 
in my opinion, it's, it's a waste of time to go hunt public land if you don't have at least seven to ten days to hunt it. Because you spend two or three learning. For whitetail? For whitetail or even uh, for elk. I mean, because oh, yeah. you, you yeah. spend at least two or three trying to find where these animals are at. And then you spend the rest of the time trying to get close to them. Well, I think the biggest thing you need to start doing is putting them in points. Because... I am with Iowa. <laughs> with fucking elk and poor mule deer. I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying you're going to get discouraged and, like, don't get me wrong, Colorado, like, I haven't personally hunted it. I've heard good things. i heard great things. But it is getting a little bit more pressure because you can do it every year. Right. Yeah. So I think if you start putting in points, you'll have a better time. Even though it'd be like, wow, I waited three years for this tag or whatever, but it's a little bit more you know, limited unit and you'll get less outside pressure, but it might be not the best out quality, but you'll still, I think you'll have that. Cause it, nothing worse than being like, well, I didn't see no elk, but I seen a bunch of people. It'd be like, well, we never couldn't get on top of them because right. there wasn't no other. Pressure. See, when we went, we went, uh, we hunted, a um, uh, we went with an outfitter, but it was a, it wasn't guided. It was, here's the lease. It's basically you're paying a trespassing yep. trespass fee, that's yep. what they say. Yeah, basically. And uh, and then he had some trust land on either side. So the kind of the cool thing where we were at is the trust land on either side of us wasn't haunted. Oh. Now, there was state land that butted up to that, tru- that trust. Um, so the outfitter we used, he had the um, those, tr- those trust pieces that are, were his tr- uh, trust, I guess. I don't know how that works. If he, they lease that from the state or it's basically, I don't know that from what he told us is nobody can haunt it and nobody can be on it. And he said, if you see anybody, you know, he goes, the only reason you guys will be allowed over there is if you kill something and it ends up over on that property, he says, but I better get a phone call first. So, um, in, and we seen elk every day. I, I personally seen, I see more elk than anybody out there. Uh, I don't know if I was just in the right spots, my my two uncles and my dad were with me um, when we went, and uh, there was nights that couple, both my uncles, no, we didn't see anything, and I was seeing six, eight, ten elk. I mean, now granted, I was through a, bino, a set of binos at two hundred yards away too, but I was seeing something. You're so right. yeah. I mean, that was just the. I mean, that's just as much fun as I feel is killing them. So yeah. if I go on an elk hunt, I'm doing an, uh, an outfitter at least until. I did. That's the way I. At least until I can get it to where I have a little bit of knowledge. Like I struggle. Like it, it is a feat, in my opinion, to go to another state, especially that is totally different terrain, and try to locate a whitetail, a mature whitetail, um, in a short amount of time. I mean, these people live in these states, and they they struggle at times. Right. So it's it's a feat. So for me to try and go learn a completely different animal, and different terrain, um. I think I'd set myself up for for failure. Like it took me a long time to feel comfortable with. Okay, I can go somewhere else and figure out where deer are going to be. Um, I couldn't do that with an elk. Like if you said there's going to be a million elk here, I would probably still struggle to locate where are they coming from, where are they going, and and things like that because it's just a different animal. So I'd probably go with the outfitter there too. Joe doesn't like outfitters. <laughs> it's not that I don't like them. I'm just saying, like, I rather, like you said, yes, I would rather put my money. Like, don't even wrong. I love white towel, and that's what I cut my teeth with. Even though I'm not that good at cutting my teeth, I'm just saying I rather put my money towards stuff that I can't do. Like, 
I can't go. You can't kill a deer. What are you talking about? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. I'm just saying I can't. I can physically go out in the woods here in public land. I'm just saying I physically can't drive to another place. I mean, I could, I guess, to go out Wyoming and try to find bear, but I can't do that. Like, Yeah, I, I mean, so for bear, mule deer, elk, my reason for using the the outfitter drastically different, right? I'm using an outfitter out there to to learn about the animal for future hunts to go out on public land like that and do it. Like my Missouri whitetail hunt, it's it's sheer convenience, right? I've done the public land thing a bunch, and it's a great time. It, and it's probably going to be more rewarding than if I do shoot a buck with the outfitter. But public land in a different state is also one of the most frustrating things well, you'll ever do. And that's why I don't want to do the outfitter. Are you going to learn anything from the outfitter? From the outfitter? Yeah, why would I not learn anything? Oh, well, I'm you're, you're saying still, I, you're, you're still you, you sitting, did not go out there and find them deer. He found them for you. I'm okay with that. Because that's what I'm saying. It's not for me. It's not I, 11 days in Kansas and Okay, yeah, I it took me 10 to find deer. And, and you have a 140-inch buck on the ground. So well, yeah. No, I, I, the, 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 the Kansas story will always probably be – it's going to be hard to beat as far as stories. But when they threw up the option of let's go to an outfitter, I was not saying no. Because I've done the public land thing enough times to know, like, it is very yeah. – when, when it works out, it is super rewarding. But – it's also very frustrating. It's very time consuming. So, you know, to take a couple of years off is I'm okay with it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I appreciate you doing this. Is there anything you wanna say or I mean No, I appreciate you guys having me on. No, I mean it was, it was awesome. Yeah, I learned a bunch. Yeah, I'm I learned. for sure gonna go out and That's try that rest thing immediately. Yeah, you guys just be uh, careful. Just remember where you start, and just in case. Just you remember, a, my I live over that way. You can stop by, and I'll fix it. Yeah, yeah. I'll just call you. Like, hey, yeah, man. Yeah. So I You're tried this rest thing, and uh, my rest fell off. I don't know what happened. So <laughs> yeah. we need to get together because there's, there's a lot. There's a lot more tuning tricks and tips out yeah. there that that even we just even remotely discussed. You could go down many holes. Yeah. With, with that, and uh, but yeah, there's there's a lot of info out there. Some of it's good some of it's not good yeah. some of it works it but there's a long roundabout way to get there so yeah. i just that's my simplistic way of getting to what i need and, and yeah. it works for me it and, may not work for the next and day sometimes you gotta filter you know just because like you said or like you don't blink pale or not sorry not blink pale you don't bear, bear shaft. shaft tune like is that the right or wrong way? There's probably is no right and wrong way. As long as you're shooting consistent and whatever, but you're the things you're doing are helping you in yes. that. So, I mean, that's the thing is sometimes you got to filter like what people are saying because they're you know I anybody can make a YouTube video and tell you, hey, you got to turn your cams inside out and all that. That's why I love Facebook and I some of the things I see on there. <laughs> it's the devil. Facebook, yeah. Archer Talk. There's another Archie one. Archer Talk. That one's. I sometimes that's just fun to get on there and read the. Yeah. Well, even TikTok today. I think we were talking beforehand about the the guys doing a podcast on TikTok talking about. How they think that deer that have been wounded, them going to water, nearby water is a myth. Like, no. Like, I, I, I sorely disagree with that. I think that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Well, 
That's for so. another podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying. It's just social media in general. Uh, yeah, is, agreed. Yeah. yeah, there's. I, I see it on Facebook and all those, and I, yeah. Well, and I and I laugh when I feel like I'm a pretty good bow tuner. I do a lot of them. Um, I'm not that I'm an archery shopper, you know, but I feel like I could tune a bow very well. And uh, and then when you get somebody on these. They don't know you from Adam, and they call you stupid. Or, or, yeah. or you see some of the best archers in the world make comments like, "Hey, try this," and you're like, "No, you're dumb." Yeah. I'm like, dude, do you know who this guy is? Right. They're like, they're calling Kyle Douglas an idiot because he does a certain thing with his bow, and it's like, look what that man's done in yeah. archery in the last two years. Yeah. I mean, he's pretty much dominated. And everybody makes fun of because he punches the trigger and all that. And like, dude. He's writing checks, punching a trigger. I wish I could learn how to do that. Yeah. So, yeah, so. yeah. No, I just learned that uh, I'm not afraid to try something, but uh, I'm still pretty. There's a lot of things I've tried that I've read on the internet that I was like, mm, yep, nope, yeah. don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Yep. I agree. But I've also had a lot of things on the internet that I've just been like, damn, that made my life so much easier. Yep. Or yeah. like, damn, like that really worked out. So, yep. yeah, the internet is a. Yeah. Wonderful place. <laughs> uh, is there anything you want to shout out if people want to follow you or ask any questions or anything like uh, social media? Um, I, mean, I don't even remember my Instagram. I, well, we, we can tag it. We can tag yeah. it. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. Yeah. I'll be honest. So, <laughs> so. I mean, if you don't even want to say, you don't even have to. So. I, I don't. I mean, hey, if anybody needs photos, my wife has a photography business. There so you go. There you go. Visual, visual poetry, and uh, she also has a. Um, studio in Owasso. It's called the Owasso Studios. So, uh, or Studio Owasso, excuse me. In oh, uh, she's gonna be pissed. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> you might want to edit that. <laughs> yeah. so that's the right yeah. name. But uh, no, she. Uh, yeah, so she does pretty much all photos. Actually, I th- a lot of my archery photos are done by her. Sweet. Um, if I shoot a big buck, will she come out to the field? She'll she'd do it. Yeah, you yeah. Pay she'll... her though. Well, that's fine. <laughs> hey, maybe you just. Come on over, introduce yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, like, she likes, I mean, uh, I dude, right I think that's a good right business for her just to come out there, take some. I, I, what do they call victory photos? Yeah, basically, she's yeah. done. Uh, she's done a little bit of everything. Yeah. You'd be surprised the photos my wife has done. So I could show you some uh, interesting male boudoir she's done of a friend of mine, <laughs> I and I could show you some good laughs. Yeah, yeah. how much does that start? Out? We'll, we'll start a GoFundMe for Matt. <laughs> <laughs> when we get done today, I'll, 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 okay. I'll bring it up. Uh, it's, uh, uh, yeah. That seems like so, a good note to end on. Yeah. <laughs> in the link, you'll see a GoFundMe for uh, male bo- <laughs> for Matt. Uh, nobody want to see that. Okay. <laughs> well, I really appreciate it, Jason, that you coming on here and talking yeah. to us. Thanks, and, guys, for having me on. Yeah. No, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun Dude. and super knowledgeable. So, yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank yep. you.